Hey, Kairos. I'll say bless the Lord if you'll say, oh, my soul, bless the Lord. Bless his holy name. Welcome once again to my attic where we're doing worship digitally. We're doing our best as a congregation to prayer, uh, through prayer and by action um, to help uh, stem the spread of the coronavirus and ask the Lord uh, to heal our world um, during this critical time. Uh, but we're going to continue to worship and pray and to gather digitally and to remind ourselves that we are the body of Christ. Uh, the Spirit of God is not quarantined. He is present and He is active and He is unifying all of us. So, uh, last time I took this chair out of the shot, um, this is old green. It makes a lot of noise. Um, it's ugly. Uh, my wife hates it and um, she's relegated it to the attic or shed um, or out of our house for every place that we've lived in except our first house back when we were still negotiating in marriage um, about our home. Now it's just me surrendering and submitting completely to her, her will. Uh, but this, this chair and this desk, uh, they're worth a lot to me. Um, they may not be valuable, like Boggs was talking about, him giving two um, matchbox cars to his parents, but they were worth a lot. This table is a piece of plywood um, when I started my seminary education 15 or 20 years ago. Um, and I wrote a bunch of quotes in here that are important to me and have been a part of my journey. When I started seminary, I went to Goodwill, and I knew I needed a desk chair. And I just said, I don't care how it looks, I just care how it feels. And man, this one goes right back at just the right spot. It's kind of padded pleather. And then you can just kick your feet up right at the perfect spot. I really wasn't planning for you guys to see what kind of shoes I was wearing. But, oh gosh, we're okay. Let's keep rolling, a little technical difficulty. Hang with me, hang with me. This is why we do this. Lord, would you let there be light? <laughs> okay. So, anyway, this ensemble, uh, my wife, that seems bright. Let me take that down just a little bit. Great. Uh, my wife uh, doesn't allow in the house, but she allows me up in this space and um, they're pretty important to me and they remind me of the journey that I've been on all the way through 15 plus years of graduate work and so uh, I'm delighted for them. Here's my question I was thinking about like um, if you had to grab something out of your apartment or your house or wherever you're at right now um, and put it in your hands and say this is the most valuable thing to me um, in my possession what would it be? So it may not be worth a lot, this table, this chair, it's not worth a lot, but it's extremely valuable to me because of what it represents to me on my journey. What would you put in your hands that you would say, this is very valuable to me, although you may not consider it to be worth a lot? So if you're with some friends or you're online chatting, just kind of answer that question right now. The next question I have for you about is, what is the most valuable thing someone has ever put in your hands? Someone else's possession that they put right into your hands and you thought, oh dear Lord, I hope I don't mess this up, 
lose this or break this. If you've ever been um, best man at a wedding or a maid of honor, it's holding the ring and you're like, oh gosh, I hope I don't drop it or lose it. Um, if anyone's ever given you a certain amount of money to hold, um, if anyone's ever let you drive the keys to their car and you're like, oh, I hope I don't wreck it. Uh, my son's got his final, he's got his learner's permit, finally. And he gets behind the wheel and I'm like, ew. I'm not concerned about this minivan. I am concerned about my life that is now in your hands. So don't kill us both. Uh, there's a story that came out a couple years back that is hilarious. Um, where is it? Um, so this guy is setting the Guinness Book of World Records um, for having the most expensive cocktail ever. So he is ordering a seventy-seven thousand bottle of seventy-seven thousand dollar bottle of cognac that's two hundred and twenty-four years old. He's going to pour out of it from the bar two glasses of brandy that will total seven thousand eight hundred dollars. The Guinness Book of World Records is there um, to ensure uh, that it meets the record requirements because he's about to buy the most expensive cocktail. <laughs> They, they present the bottle to the guy and he drops it and it shatters on the floor. <laughs> I don't know why that makes me laugh, but can you just imagine like it, the whole place going quiet as this 224 bottle that's worth $77,000 just shatters and everyone's just like, wow, this party sure died. Uh, I think we're nervous when people put precious things in our hands is because how am I going to take care of it? What will I do if it breaks? And do I have within my capacity to restore it if it is broken? Possibly the single greatest thing of value anyone's ever placed in my hands and I felt overwhelmed with the responsibility and underwhelmed. Um, by my capacity, um, but prompted by love to rise to the challenge, um, was when we adopted my son Christopher. Now, of course, my biological children, you place them in my hands and it's all those same things. But for some reason, when a birth mom chose to place a child in my hands and asked me to be that child's father, that was a moment a profound, profound responsibility and trust in going, I now have to leverage my life to ensure that what has been placed in my hands lives and becomes who it's designed to become. I wonder if that's a little bit of a picture that we can think of as we go to our text tonight because Jesus is going to cry from the cross one of his last words, one of his seven sayings, and it's simply this. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Let's listen together as uh, Lindsay Jacoby reads the word of the Lord for us. Lindsay? Hey Kairos, I'm Lindsay Jacoby, and we are so glad that you've decided to join us for worship tonight. Even though we aren't together in person, we're together in spirit. So we wanna continue our worship by reading God's word together. Feel free to grab your copy or the scripture will be up on the screen for you to follow along. 
We are continuing our series called Seven Sayings from the Cross, where we look at the final words that Jesus spoke before he died. And so our scripture tonight is going to be from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 23. So before we read that, let's go to the Lord in prayer together. Holy Spirit, would you give us eyes to see and ears to hear? Jesus, would you go before us in this text and make a way? And together we say, speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 23, and I'll begin reading in verse 44. It was now about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour, while the sun's light failed. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. Now when the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God, saying, Certainly this man was innocent. And all the crowds that had assembled for the spectacle, when they saw what had taken place, returned home, beating their breasts. And all his acquaintances and the women who had followed him from Galilee stood at a distance watching these things. I'll say the word of the Lord if you'll say thanks be to God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Jack, for reading our text. I love what William Barclay says about this text. He says, Jesus is perhaps repeating a bedtime prayer that he learned at the feet of Mary, his mother. It's Psalm 31, right? Psalm 31, verse 5. Into your hands I commit my spirit. Deliver me, Lord, my faithful God. Jesus, in this moment, is simply talking and repeating scripture to reassure himself, his faith, and his followers that into your hands I commit my spirit. Now, in the seven sayings of the cross that, that we're in, I love the progression that we're going to see. So first you have this horrific cry of anguish and abandonment from Jesus on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Once again, scripture. Uh, then you're going to see uh, next week, this bold declaration, it is finished. But this week, here we are, eagerly awaiting the advent of Easter, and we hear in calm restfulness, into your hands, Father, I commit my spirit. Even on the cross, we see the journey of a lament, which is from anguish to assurance. Jesus has moved from anguish to assurance, even in the midst of his anguish. His anguish has not been removed, but he's managed to find assurance in the midst of his anguish. Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. What an incredible prayer for us and for all of us. And I would submit to you, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit is a great prayer that we need to memorize, we need to practice. And it's a great prayer to teach you how to die. So some of Jesus' last words. Wouldn't it be awesome that some of the last words you get to say on planet Earth are, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. There's a lot of notable people in the scripture who have said similar things. And then throughout church history, you got John Huss, Martin Luther, who have said, 
as they are being killed. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Whether it's on a deathbed or whether it's at the hand of an executioner or whether it's an unforeseen tragedy in the midst of recognition about what's about to happen. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. I think it's a great way to die and I hope I get the chance to do that. But more than a great way to die, I think it's an even better way to live. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. You realize that if we choose to live that way, what we really have to do is die to control. It's not good, is it? The other morning in family, uh, quiet times, I was asking them what they fear the most. And my son, uh, who's a ninth grader, said, um, I fear that I don't have control. Um, and I said, did you ever have it? And he said, maybe not, but I thought I did. I think the problem for most of us is uh, we can intellectually and theologically, mentally assent to the fact that God is in control, but we secretly we want some of it, don't we? We need to control our patterns, our routines, our spendings, our relationships, our interaction. And I think what's happening now is just a reminder. Whew, I'm not in control. Now, I still have responsibilities and there's things given to me to steward. But, uh, Father, ultimately, you are in control. Um, and this has been a welcome reminder, in some ways an unwelcome reminder for a lot of us. Because here's the temptation. Here's the problem for most of us when we face uncertainty. Um, we look around and go, who can I trust? I can't trust you. I can't trust you. I can't trust you. I'm really suspicious of my government officials. I'm suspicious of the media because who knows who to believe and what to believe because they're all saying the opposite stories. I don't know how bad this thing really is or if it's worse than we actually think. Um, and I don't know how to get TP or milk or eggs or what's going to happen. And so I can't trust you, any of you. So I'm just going to trust myself and I'm going to control it and I'm going to fix it. And usually we use anger and fear to motivate us, which makes us feel powerful in the midst of powerlessness. And then when you realize, uh-oh, I actually, I can't control this. I can't do it all myself then we're left hopeless. And the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is, it's in this hope that we are saved, that we can say, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit, that we can move from the journey of anguish to assurance by complete surrender and submission to God. This is exactly what Jesus is doing on the cross. He is moving from anguish to assurance by complete Surrender and submission to God. Now, break this prayer down, okay? First of all, he says, Father. And you know, that was a big deal back then, right? It wasn't just God. It wasn't just Yahweh, although he probably wouldn't have said Yahweh. Um, he is saying, God is my Father. I have a relationship to him, and I am his son. So I remember sitting, um, talking uh, to a young lady who was talking about her journey from anguish to assurance um, through complete surrender and submission to God in her story. And she's just getting real honest and raw um, about some of the things that she experienced, some childhood abuse and neglect. 
And finally she gets hooked up with a church, a community of faith, and they're, they just said, hey, you need to sit down with a counselor. So she sits down with a counselor who's a Christian. And she said, hey, just so we know, uh, one, I'm not going to talk about any of my childhood issues. And two, I'm okay with this Jesus thing. I don't know who the Holy Spirit is. He's weird, but I will not call God Father. Are we clear? Can we get started? <laughs> I, I love it. Um, and ultimately, she had to get to the place where she could say, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit, my broken image of what a father's supposed to be. Um, broken memories and lost childhood experiences I need to learn to trust again and so I'm trusting you with my life my spirit and just so we're clear perhaps in this prayer there is the gospel because there's some of you who when it comes to your dying day um, this is not a magical incantation that you can just pray and then all of a sudden it's assurance that your soul is going to go to heaven this is not something I can say over your deathbed for you or with you, because it's not so much a matter of words, it's a matter of will. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. It's not God if you're out there, maybe if you exist. You're probably one among many, and Jesus is just one of the possible ways. Now, if you're going to pray this prayer, and you're going to fully submit and surrender yourself to God as authoritative, as revealed in Scripture, it is God the Father as revealed to us through Jesus Christ. It's into your hands, and out of mind, I submit my spirit. For the best I understand of who you are and Jesus says you are, take my life and let it be, wholly consecrated unto thee. Here I am, Lord. Save me. If you've never been in a place like that, I'd, I'd ask you right now, just say that prayer out loud. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And even if you've been a Christian since you were five years old and could figure out how to talk, this is also daily how we need to be praying. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Because when we do that, we have to say, hey, I'm not in control. My spirit, my life, who I am, I place in God's hands. I'm taking it out of my clenched fists that are locked with fear my fragile fingers of anxiety and fear and mistrust and blame and guilt out of these calloused hands that are inconsiderate of others. It's into your hands, Father, that I commit my spirit. So that's where I want us to land. I want to see if I can give us a prayer exercise to do. Uh, there's a prayer exercise called the prayer of relinquishment. Um, it's an end of the day prayer. Normally what you do is you release all the things that you haven't got done. And then you turn around and you go, Father, here's what I receive that I need from you. I, I forgot. First of all, you say thank you for all the things you got done. Then you release all the things that you didn't get done. And then you receive what the Father has for you um, for the rest of the day. But here's how I want us to do it. This will be our 120 seconds. I want you to think about this. What are all the ways that you do not want to put your spirit in the hands of God? What's keeping you holding on? What things are you grasping on? Is there any anger, bitterness, resentment, envy, strife, hoarding, selfish ambition, 
fear that you're grabbing on to that you actually need to release into the hands of Jesus. Just take a minute and think about that. What, what is it that you need to release right now? And then just, I would do that with your hands where you're at. So just say, if you're by yourself or if you want to comment, Father, I release this. I release this. I release this. Father, uh, I want to release sinful tendencies during a time of crisis. I want to release fear. Uh, Father, I want to release worst case scenario thinking. Father, I want to release the fact that I thought that when I prayed, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit, it meant immediately that the anguish would end and assurance would come rushing in. Jesus still dies. But there's resurrection after death, and that's the promise of the gospel. Let's turn our hands over and let's receive that resurrection power. Now say after me, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And so once your hands are empty from your need to control and of your fear and anxiety, now you can receive. And by the way, guess what happens when you see God open up his hands to receive your spirit? Your name's already written in it. That's Isaiah 49, 16, right? He says in the verse before it, how could a mother ever forget her child? Your names are written in my hand. So what is it that you need to receive right now? Just ask Father boldly for what you need to receive. Oh, there's my girls. I need to receive them. All right, did you see me get angry because they didn't look at the side? That's okay. We're doing our prayer exercise. Say hi. Hi. All right, what do we, now we're putting out our hands in a posture receiving, and we're asking Jesus, you guys want to come in? Thank you. You're welcome. Okay, what do you want to receive from Jesus that only he can give you? Peace. Peace? Yep. Hope. Hope. Um, I would say joy. Um, joy in the midst of suffering and uncertainty. So ask yourself, oh, ask yourself what you want to receive uh, in this moment. Amen? Amen. Great.